Hello, everybody. I want to welcome everybody back to the New Tradition Podcast. Thank you all for tuning in. We have a special guest with us today, and we're really happy that she had agreed to come on and join us. When we came across her work and her information, we were really um, inspired to see the, the work that she was doing because it's something that we don't see a lot of um, in our indigenous communities a lot of times in terms of healthcare and mental and emotional support. A lot of times the resources are very, I guess, kind of contained within the IHS systems and things of that nature. But to see someone stepping outside of the box and and making an effort to provide something um, even more so was really awesome to see. So we're really happy to um, welcome uh, Karis Pofabidi here with us today. And she's got some really good, interesting um, insight. I know that she's going to share with us, but we're also kind of going to um, get a little, get a get to know her a little bit better, you know. So um, with that being said. Um, I'll go ahead and turn it over to you, Karis, to kind of introduce yourself a little bit more. Thank you. Thank you, Jeremy. Um, my name is Karis Pofabidi. I am Kyla Comanche in Cherokee. Uh, I reside in Tulsa, Oklahoma, uh, which is where I grew up. Um, and I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist. I started my practice, my private practice, about two years ago, um, Good Ways Intervention in Tulsa. And um, my passion is definitely helping the indigenous community, um, helping them reconnect to the indigenous traditions and helping facilitate that healing process that I think we all need. I agree. I feel like our communities definitely need the the healing, the tools, um, and the motivation to want to start their journey. So thank you for doing that. Um, So what inspired you to pursue the field that you're in? (laughs) I feel like I really just fell into this um, on Mm. accident. Mm. I originally, when I started my undergrad, I wanted to do nursing. So I knew I wanted to be in like the healing area um, or the medical field. And so I went to nursing school and during the clinical rounds, I found myself listening to people and Mm. I understood that these people are depressed. And Mm -hmm. I know like, you know, my classes taught me that depression makes you physically sick. And so I wondered like, isn't that what's keeping them here? Why are we not referring them to uh, mental health practitioners or therapists to help them through this? Um, but that wasn't my position as like a nursing student. Um, so then I changed majors, um, dropped out of nursing school, changed majors, and uh, went with psychology. Um, and I graduated from the University of Tulsa. And then I thought about it for <laughs> I took a well, I took a break for about a year. Um, and then I decided, you know, I really want to do something. Um, I had one indigenous per- college professor. And she, I mean, that's the first time I'd ever experienced that. You know, we don't see um, a lot of professors, especially college professors um, in academia that are indigenous. And she Mm -hmm. was a part of the community. And she was like, you know, there's only like 12 um, natives with their doctorate. You should really go on. And I was like, no, that's too much money. <laughs> but after working with the community, I was like, you know, there's there's a real need for this. And um, I thought, like, couples therapy would be really fun to do. Uh, I don't mind listening to 
people argue and um, <laughs> I thought it would be like interesting. So I was like, yeah. okay, I'm going to do couples counseling. Uh, so <laughs> I looked for programs and um, it took me to LA. So I was in LA for three years getting my master's um, and I worked with the tribal organization there. Um, and so when I was there, the program was expanding and they were about to include mental health, um, but it was geared towards really lifting up the community. And there were so many things that were going on and I saw the healing going on. Um, it was just great. And I was like, this is what we need. This is what we need in Oklahoma. Mm -hmm. And um, so I finished my master's and um, in, in counseling psychology with an emphasis in marriage and family therapy and then came back to Oklahoma and working at the community agencies I was trained in a lot of trauma treatment um, working with children working with parents and now like it just came together it was like my ancestors ancestors like, laid this path for me and mm whenever I started reconnecting to a lot of my traditions and stuff mm. um, I realized that I come from a long line of healers yeah. and so yes. I think it was just something that I was meant to do and I love it I absolutely love it Wow, that's beautiful. I, I really appreciate all of the effort that's gone into bringing you to where you are. I know a lot of times um, there's things that we want to do either to help ourselves and our families and our communities, but sometimes the challenges that come in front of us can seem a little bit insurmountable, you know, but um, it's always good when you have a good support system and people encouraging you along to say, go get it, you know, because it's easy to hit those roadblocks and say, oh, that's too much money, or I don't know if I want to spend that much time in school, right, <laughs> you right. know, the uh, the the patients involved you know so definitely and that was a thought like that was something that I had to work on in therapy myself mm -hmm. um, <laughs> was you know that's something that people can't take away they cannot take mm -hmm. away the right. knowledge that I'm receiving they can't mm -hmm. take away my degree like even mm -hmm. if I default in student loans or something like they're not going to come and snatch my degree up or anything so yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. so you uh, had mentioned something interesting there and you being in a space of helping other people as a therapist and you also had mentioned that that you yourself have participated in therapy um, I know a lot of people even just coming to the concept of, of reaching out for help you know therapy is something that oftentimes is scary to people and it, I, I think it's just because of like the past and what people have like attached like stigma wise to it some people are, are kind of afraid of it but even for people like yourself and like us that work in environments of helping other people to heal and for facilitating those type of things um we too end up you know uh, going and pursuing um help or or therapy or counseling and things like that can you talk a little bit maybe about why that why you feel that's important Definitely. Um, I learned so much more about myself through that process. Um, mm. It challenged a lot of my thinking and beliefs that kept me stuck or held me back. And um, I really appreciate that journey because whenever I started, I didn't realize all the stuff that happened was classified as trauma. 
I didn't yeah. realize I had experienced all this trauma. Um, I knew that these experiences were really bad and they affected me and mm-hmm. they affected my mental health and mm-hmm. just my lifestyle and everything. Um, but I didn't understand it until I started going and exploring that part of it. And then mm-hmm. it was like, oh, that's what it is. Um, and it is uncomfortable. Like doing mm-hmm. that work and doing the healing, it's so hard and mm-hmm. I mean you have to just take it day by day it's a process yes. um, and so it's not just like oh I finished therapy and I'm done I'm all healed that's it mm-hmm. you know no because like, you're going to get triggered you know it goes on yeah. and so it, it's just like this circle that's why I tell my clients you know it's it's more of a circular thing but you're still making process or progress sorry the the reason why we started this podcast was because basically because of the pandemic you know um beforehand we were doing a lot of in-person training and traveling around the country and working directly with communities and because we weren't able to gather anymore you know and and we thought it was going to be like one of those three month kind of things and it's all back to normal but you know here we are a year later and it's still (laughs) still still raging you know so this was our um effort to try and continue that work forward but I guess one of the things that we ran into as well was just the, um, when we would go and and train in communities, a lot of times our audience would be people like yourself that were um, already in the in the conversation of the healing. They either worked for behavioral health or um, were, were therapists or clinicians themselves, you know. And it was good that they were um, engaging in the dialogue, but a lot of what we were sharing, we knew that it needed to reach and benefit everyday people you know, Mm -hmm. rather than just um, people that worked in the field. So um, we chose to do this podcast in a way that it's providing all of this information for free and it's doing it on a um, palatable level to where, you know, people aren't having to find four hours out of their day to go and attend a training, you know what I mean? But they can get a piece here and a piece here and a piece there and they can listen, you know, on the way to picking up their kids from school or, you know, it's something that the whole family can tune into. You know, the kids can be in the car listening when mom or dad's listening to it on the drive or something like that, you know. So it seems like it's just created a better avenue for us to continue forward doing the work that we were doing you know and i'm glad that people are responding to it because i was kind of like um i'm not sure how this is gonna go you know um but people have really grabbed a hold of it well so we're really thankful for that well that brings me back to your question about the barriers and that's one of the barriers that i would see in the community Mm -hmm. um access to therapists You know, especially it being affordable. Working with um, indigenous tribes or in community agencies, I didn't have the time um, to help these people the way it's supposed to be. Like, I wasn't doing therapy. They were coming in once a month because they would fill my schedule eight hours a day. You know, I I would Mm -hmm. see clients back to back to back to back. And in the indigenous community, a lot of that is trauma. So taking all of that on as a healer, like that's a lot, you know, Mm -hmm. and and I have to do my own healing from that or um, find ways to not take on a lot of that energy that I'm supposed to be holding. And, you know, Mm -hmm. so to be helpful for my clients, you know, they need they need me to be present. They need me to be there with them and not have all this other stuff going on. so that was a barrier, you know, mm-hmm. access to a therapist on a regular basis for treatment. Treatment is typically mm-hmm. weekly. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, you know, that was a barrier. Um, another barrier is 
just the shame, you yeah. know, and the, the overwhelming feelings. You know, people are afraid of being afraid. Mm-hmm. Um, they're afraid of disclosing all of these terrible things that have happened mm-hmm. in their family. Um, mm-hmm. And that holds them back as well. You know, what are people going to think of me? Or um, what if she knows somebody in the community or she knows... Um, the person that assaulted me, you know, is she going to go back and and tell them? So I I completely understand that and let them know, like, hey, I recognize that this is a small community, but ethically, I can't approach you. I have to keep you confidential. Um, Mm -hmm. So knowing that a therapist is there, like, they can't disclose anything um, that identifies you. You Mm -hmm. know, whenever I go to other clinicians, I just say, hey, I have this client and this is what we're working on and this is where they're stuck you know i talk about the situation mm-hmm. um, so hopefully that helps people recognize that you know therapists aren't just out there gossiping or you know sharing <laughs> with anybody um, but yeah. we do have to we keep that yeah i think that's important um one of the things that um, here within the past year, I had an opportunity to work with um, this national um, cohort of people that were trying to um, bring some new, I guess, um, kind of like rules of engagement for this um, national suicide prevention hotline. And one of the big things that they had noted was with people that are in that space, one of the reasons why they don't reach out for help was like the lack of anonymity. You know, they were afraid of being identified or outing a family member or something like that. So that was one of the approaches that they were really trying to implement. And they had created like a text, like an anonymous text way that you could, you know, reach out for help rather than having to, you know, actually, you know, have your voice recorded or something like that. You know, and they said that that was something that was really effective, which um, kind of resonated with me, you know, working in, in indigenous communities, knowing that that's one of the things that happens, you know, because our communities are so tight knit, you know, like if if something comes out, then everybody knows about it. So that's one of the things that I guess like the barriers that stands in between our people, you know, really finding it, reaching out and finding that the kind of help that they need. Um, in you working with um, this this kind of concept of trauma as you begin to learn like you said like all of these different things that you had gone through um for myself that's one of the things that happened as well um through through some own my own personal experiences i kind of became introduced to this this concept of trauma and historical trauma and we ended up um creating an, an entire initiative around it and that was one of the things that we were traveling and, and implementing and training about but um it really opened my eyes to my own life, you know, in my upbringing and my family and realizing, um, again, just all of these different experiences that, you know, our lives were really inundated with trauma, whereas before I had no clue that it was. Does that, is that something that really resonates with you? Do you have a lot of direct experience and I guess in that kind of space? <laughs> Absolutely. Oh my gosh. <laughs> um, I actually, I talked to my mom about it. I'm at a point now where I'm able to talk to my family openly about the trauma that I experienced mm-hmm. or um, my experiences. And that's what I tell them. Like, this is my truth. This is my experience. This is my story. You know, your perception of it can be completely different because you right. are in a different role or, you know, you're in a different mm-hmm. body. You're a different human. Um, but so it wasn't until like I started my my nephews were born and I started helping mm-hmm. to raise them and mm-hmm. we started doing um, like a lot of the parenting work and I realized like 
oh my gosh, like all of my behaviors or how I parent my nephew, that's coming from a, a place of trauma, you know, and then um, whenever I reconnected with or implemented, I guess I should say, because I've always been connected with my traditions, but when I started implementing them into treatment, that's when it was like, wait a minute, guys, like this is not ours. You know, um, the first thing that came to mind is spanking. That's a huge mm, issue even yeah. now for parents, you know. Mm-hmm. But that's not ours. Like, I've mm-hmm. asked elders, I've asked community leaders, you know, where did we do this? Like, in, in spank, like, where did we do the spanking? Was it in ceremonies? Like, because you guys talk about, like, honoring the kids, you know, and, mm-hmm. and how that's our future. And we need to guide them. And we treat them so preciously like why are we hitting them then where did that come from yeah and that came from white supremacy that came from um colonizers you know and Mm -hmm. that's not ours so i'm at a place where it's like okay that's not mine i can give Mm -hmm. that back to them i don't need that anymore um i can find other ways of doing this you know and and people aren't there yet i recognize that we're all on our own journey um so it may take a while to get there but yes like i there's so much that i could talk about like not just spanking um but i definitely have grew up in that i dealt with Mm -hmm. it you know alcoholism things like that Mm -hmm. seeing that um it's been a huge part of my upbringing yes Mm -hmm. i'm so glad that you brought that up because i feel like the whole spanking um is like a it's glorified Mm -hmm. and a lot of people really um take pride in saying stuff like I'll beat my kid before they do that or um, you know I'll, I'll hit you or, or some something of that nature or spare the rod spoil the child mm-hmm. I've, I've seen that a lot and I'm like why why do you think that's helpful why is hurting somebody glorified mm-hmm. because it, you're still hurting them what are they learning you know to be scared Mm -hmm. and i feel like in so many families in our indigenous communities and i imagine all communities um that that's something that really needs to be worked on because if we do take a look back we see that our in our traditional ways our kids weren't raised that way Mm -hmm. um we in our culture in lakota culture we called our children meaning that they're sacred they're sacred beings and um one of our recent sisters had informed us that you know her elders uh let her know that with our children we're supposed to treat them like elders so they're delicate there and we're supposed to be gentle with them so i mean i i feel like that was a huge part of my journey as well to understand that because the way that i was raised and the environment that i was raised on is totally different than Mm -hmm. what we do as parents and it's 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 a good journey but it does take a while and i know that for those families that haven't started in their journey, they might look at us differently. But I think we also come to a space where we're okay with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's, you know, we're teaching our kids um, if they're bigger and stronger than you, then they can hit you or they can mm-hmm. take advantage of you or cross your boundaries. Um, and that's not okay, you know. Then they, then they grow up with that mindset that, oh, okay, well, I deserve to be hit. Or um, I deserve, you know, to be put down or to be called a name or something um, because that's how I was brought up. You know, my mom was like, oh, well, 
I'm spanking you because of this or you know you deserve this um, yeah there's so much to say about that you know and the spare the rod spoil the child you know people often refer to like biblical stuff you know but mm. a shepherd they're not gonna like hit their sheep with their staff right like you don't yeah. do that that's that's your livelihood you know that yeah. you're supposed to be taking care of them you use your rod to guide them you know when they're mm. starting to go off in different ways like that they stop them they stick it out like you can't go you can't pass that way but you don't mm-hmm. like hit them right. so yeah there, <laughs> there's just so much about that but definitely something yes. that i hope to move away from yes especially just by letting people know like that's not ours guys like, right we, you know that might be something that was normalized in your household mm-hmm. but you cannot call that traditional right? yeah I know um, I, I've come into contact with a lot of people that um, it, it kind of seems like um, they're proud of, well, how do I say this? They feel like they're being a good parent when they're being controlling of their children or like you see a sense of pride come out when they find out that their children did something wrong and then they're disciplining them. You know what I mean? But in the opposite spaces, they really don't, you know, feed good attention to the children or reward them for doing good things. You know what I mean? But it's like they're constantly looking and waiting for them to do something wrong. And in the moment when they do, then they feel, you know, proud or dominant kind of thing. And it's it's really interesting to see how that's like become so... Um, I don't know if I want to say celebrated, but so accepted in our communities that, you know, we, we think about it in that way. But I know like in, in our space, we've come to a point of questioning everything, you know, like because in, in the work that we've done in just kind of in the field of trauma, what we've realized is like there have been so many things that have been normalized and accepted within our families and our communities just because we were never taught to question it you know like it was just always like this is just the way that it was this is what your grandpa did this is what what i did so this is what you're gonna do you know or you know vice versa so it's it's kind of like all of these things you know as unhealthy as they were like they just keep getting passed down and passed down and passed around without anybody ever saying like whoa wait a minute you know like this hurts Mm -hmm. do we really need to be doing this you know rather than saying well so what if it hurts keep doing it (laughs) you know what i mean it just in in a way it kind of seems like common sense but there there has to be kind of a wake-up call to be able to say like stop for a moment and and really take into question does this really benefit what you're trying to achieve you know and i think that's been something healthy because we do that even in the space of our children with our children you know we let them know like just because something has been a certain way don't accept that it has to just be that way ask yourself you know is this right um is the way that these people are communicating you know healthy or is it respectful or is this something that you really need to put a stop to is something that you need to bring into question and we encourage them to even do that with us you know if there are things that we say or things that we do that make you feel a certain way you have a right to be upset and be angry with us but we're going to communicate about it you know what i mean and bring us into question so that we know so that we grow you know because i know that in my own experience and i'm sure that that collins can can relate to it as well you know my kids have have been my greatest teacher in this lifetime you know they've they've you know given me everything in terms of um how i understand love or how it is that i even understand integrity you know because understanding that someone is following you you know you kind of put yourself aside and and think about okay if i step here they're going to step here too you know what i mean so i don't want to put them in danger kind of thing you know so it's it's been a 
a really good journey in that sense. You know, I've learned a lot from them. So, of course, you know, it makes sense for them to give them an opportunity to be able to say, you have a, a an opportunity to actively teach me. If you see there, there's things that I'm doing that, that are um, invading on you, mm-hmm. tell me. You know, so that it doesn't continue because ultimately, like you said, with the kind of the shepherd analogy, I don't want to hurt them, you know, with the things that I'm doing. It doesn't have to be a physical stick, but maybe it's my words. Maybe it's my actions. You know what I mean? So. And just to add on to like what Jeremy was saying, because of the work that we do, it feels like we're constantly self-reflecting on how we respond to our children because for a long time like a lot of my responses were out of my own trauma and not realizing it because it was so normalized for me and then I had to hold myself accountable and apologize to my children like I am sorry and I'm still learning and I appreciate you and I love you and I'm gonna do better and continuously doing that because I'm starting to understand that there's a lot of baggage to unpack and unload and heal and work on and and sometimes it's exhausting and I'm like I'm tired of this like can we stop now you know but it's necessary it is so necessary but there are days though that I want to add into all of this is that we see where the work is paying off in our family with our children and the way that they continue to stand tall and use their voice and it's beautiful and it's like yes you know even if it's just for one day mm-hmm. you know because it, it comes in cycle it's just like everything else in life and it's it's really a beautiful experience and we really have to hold on to that and know that maybe the next day is different but it doesn't mean that the progress you've seen the day before didn't matter right yeah if you like if you spank your child you know you teach them okay don't do that anymore right mm-hmm. that's that's what people want to teach them right but then where are they going to learn what they're supposed to do? Mm-hmm. Right. You know, and that's that's the part that we need to give them, you know. You know, we don't do this, but we can do this. Mm-hmm. So absolutely. Um, I'm proud of the work that you guys are doing. It is a struggle. But I try to remind my clients, like, you guys are undoing generations. Yes. You know, that's yes. a long time. It's not going to happen within a week or a year. It's just an ongoing process. Mm-hmm. So definitely. Yes. Yeah. So um, I guess in in working with, with indigenous families and as all of these different issues are coming up and you're kind of opening it up to a, a larger perspective to be able to say that, this is what you're going through is bigger than just what's right in front of you and that it's an extension of all of this historical and intergenerational trauma what kind of reactions do you see in people um, when they begin to understand where that's coming from sometimes i get like this aha like oh like yes and Mm -hmm. it makes them want to do more it makes them Mm -hmm. want to um change um it makes them want to heal it makes them want to facilitate that process or reconnect with more traditions Mm -hmm. um but some people aren't ready for that yet Mm -hmm. you know and and it doesn't matter how much i'm reflecting like you know or challenging those beliefs um using like cognitive behavioral or cognitive processing Mm -hmm. um that they're just not ready for that their brain can't Mm -hmm. hold that or comprehend that yet um, and that's okay, you know, that's not their time. We, we can kind of go with um, something else or um, kind of extend off of it things that are a little bit easier for them to, mm-hmm. to understand until we get to that. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's interesting. I, I guess it just um, 
kind of makes me think about the the journey that we've had in in working with our communities and the kind of responses that come um i know that one of the the methods that we use is kind of like um objective conversation so we utilize our own personal experiences and stories to kind of paint an objective picture that people can kind of relate to in their own safe space without being um necessarily invasive into their life or like kind of cracking it open saying well here's your issues and here's your problems and these are the things that you need to deal with you know but rather it's saying this is what I've come to understand about my life these are the things that I've gone through these have been my experiences and this is how I've learned that it's connected to the to the the intergenerational or historical trauma and when I begin to understand that this is what it opened up in my life and now this is where I am and how it is that I'm facilitating my children in a healthier space, you know? And it really brings a lot of, um, I guess, realization to people. Mm-hmm. And and just even in that, because just some of the, the, the stories that people share are kind of mind-blowing in a way. Like, you wouldn't even think that it would be connected, so to speak. And I remember... Um, I, I think I was in Washington a few years back, and I was hosting one of these one of these trainings. And there was a um, a woman that was in the um, in the audience as a participant, and she ha- had told me that when she was um, like a toddler, she was adopted out. I guess her mother wasn't able to um, care for her, and she was um, taken to like an orphanage, I guess so to speak. And um, there was a Hispanic family that had adopted her and had raised her her entire life. You know, she had no idea who her um, biological family was or anything, and she was like living in Chicago all her life. And then one day, in her older age, like in like literally like in her sixties or something to that effect, sixties or seventies, there was a an, an older woman that came to her home and knocked on her door and and she went to the door and was like who is this you know like she had no idea who it was and it turned out to be her aunt you know and she had been searching for her her entire life you know and she had no idea that she even had family out there but um i i guess that the 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 aunt had kind of told her what had happened and why she had been you know adopted out and different things and it answered so many questions for her but she said i would have never thought that my life was rooted in trauma that i was being driven all of these years by trauma because i didn't go through abuse i was never like neglected by my family you know that that raised me she was like you know we weren't um you know we weren't poor we never went without i was very much loved all of these things but just that one event in my life that i couldn't even remember has been affecting me all of these years and now that i know who i come from i've reconnected with my family i've moved back to my home community and now i'm doing this work within our within our community as well you know so i guess it just kind of speaks to the fact that trauma takes so many forms you know like most people look at it like you have to be like severely abused to be traumatized and that's not the case you know it Mm -hmm. could be something really subtle yeah or you have to be in war to be traumatized Mm -hmm. you know and that's Definitely not it. Um, Whenever you can't be your true, authentic self, whenever you feel like you can't be you, challenge that. Like, you know, how come? How come I can't talk like this or say these words or dress like this or look like this? You know, what what is holding me back? What is keeping me back? What is my belief about that? Mm -hmm. And that, I think um, finding out who we are and knowing our identity is definitely important you know that plays into that that's a mm-hmm. huge part of doing that work you know and we're like 
uncovering all this stuff it's like archaeologists like digging through dirt you know mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. to get to the bones or to get to the skeleton you know dig up these fossils you know um, that's that's kind of what we're doing is we're letting go of some of the stuff that was put on us that we didn't ask for we didn't choose that and um, so having compassion with yourself like hey you didn't choose to grow up in this environment mm-hmm. you didn't choose to be taken away from your parents um, that's not yours to hold you know and so working on that to let it go but yes absolutely thank you for sharing that um i i have a big question for you and i know that earlier you had talked about how you changed majors from nursing to counseling or psychology um but how did uh good ways intervention come to fruition altogether how did you get that started um I originally started it um, after leaving one of the tribal agencies. Um, I had clients that I was treating for trauma specifically, (laughs) and they weren't comfortable with me referring them to somebody else because, you know, when we leave, they're supposed to stay there. Um, You know, they always have the option of doing whatever they want. It's it's their treatment. Um, So I was like, okay, I'll go ahead and start this private practice. Um, I rented an office. It was just me and like a desk. And um, I was like, I'll finish out their treatment. That's all I'm going to do. You know, and once mm-hmm. they feel comfortable enough where, you know, they can handle these everyday things that come up, these triggers, you know, they can emotionally regulate themselves and they feel like they've got a good grasp, like then I can let them go. You know, they can, they're free, you know, whatever. Um, <laughs> But uh, it didn't really work that way. It just <laughs> kept, like, people kept coming. I kept getting more clients and people were more interested in it. And so I was like, okay, I didn't want to do it because, mm-hmm. like, there's the whole business aspect that mm-hmm. I don't know anything about, you know. Right. And I, that's why, like, after grad school, I was like, I would never do private practice. Like, you have to know <laughs> business stuff. Like, no. Um, <laughs> but the clients kept coming, and I was like, okay this is this is a need like i definitely see the need in our community especially being Mm -hmm. in tulsa oklahoma on the Mm -hmm. reservation with a huge native population Mm -hmm. um i see all the trauma there's nobody here really working with Mm -hmm. um, people of color or indigenous Mm -hmm. peoples you know on this that i see so um i was like okay i'm just gonna open up my own practice and i did um i just changed the name and Mm -hmm. it took a while and i kept going to ceremonies and going to powwows and hearing the elders talk and I I would kind of talk to them about some of my ideas. Um, So the name Good Ways um, basically came from combining some of like the old ways which is you know people know or they try to gravitate towards like the old ways and then the new ways and finding that balance um, is hard work you know Mm -hmm. because as indigenous people, we have our traditional stuff and then we go out into um, westernized society and it can be different. Like we have to respond to things differently. Um, We feel like we have to put on this facade or act a different way or even use different vernacular. Um, And so taking the old ways, you know, and the new ways and um, just finding the good, taking Mm -hmm. on the, the good ways. And that's where that name came from. It was finding a good direction or finding yourself um, a good path to be on and that's what I want for all of my clients that's very very powerful because in all the work that we've done or continue to do we always talk about 
uh, quote unquote, the new tradition and what that means. Um, and I feel like the way that you described everything is kind of like exactly what we've been thinking this entire year and how we can help our people combine things from the past, our traditional ways, into the new because we are reaching a time and space where we are the new tradition, you know, but we can still carry old school methods. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And that's a challenging thought, you know, that I ask my clients, like, mm-hmm. who came up with this rule? Who mm-hmm. decided that this is what you're supposed to do? You know, and mm-hmm. it's like, oh, society. Yeah, but is society like living your life, you know, mm-hmm. day in and day out? You know, that's a question that I, I often pose to my clients mm-hmm. to help them challenge a lot of those beliefs. And mm-hmm. um, again, like I said, you know, taking what feels good, what feels more yeah. authentic, what feels like you. you know, I want mm-hmm. you to feel that we should all be happy. We should be yes. thriving. Yes. Yeah, yeah <laughs> absolutely. I know um, we, we always kind of ask that question of, of how that concept of the new tradition relates to people and i feel like you you answered that already you know so to speak and it's really good to see because i think being able to understand that us here today we're living in an entirely different world than even our parents were living in and and from them even to to past generations because the world has evolved so quickly in terms of technology and outside influence you know even our children today they have all of these different influences and i know that as i watch them day to day there are things that they go through that i don't necessarily understand you know because it's the the influences are different you know the expectations are different from them in terms of this outside world and it requires different things you know um what what's going to help them to be stable and confident and um effective in their day looks different than what it requires for me you know and it, it really makes me think about who our people were back then because so many times when we think of culture and tradition a lot of the um the images or the the thoughts that come up are very um superficial you know like it's you know things that you can see but oftentimes we don't really think about who those people were internally you know like what were their expectations what were their strengths and their values that allowed them to be so effective because when you think about where our people initially came from and how like adaptive they had to be on a day-to-day basis you know like they were you know they literally were, were at the mercy of nature and the world around them you know like it wasn't like today where we can easily go down the street to the grocery store or go and get gas or walk in the other room and flip on a light switch or turn up the heat you know what i mean like all of those things are so convenient you know but you didn't even have that option you know what i mean like a lot of those options so they they were kind of at the mercy of so many things and they had to be ready for so many things and that lets me know that our people were for very active and they were they were amazing problem solvers you know like they they always had an answer for whatever it was that was coming and that being said you know like our people they didn't do the same exact things they weren't singing the same exact songs or performing this just the same exact ceremonies over the course of millennia those things were always evolving you know they were they were um creating new things to be able to deal with new problems new prayers new songs new ceremonies when something new would come about rather than sitting and looking 400 years back and saying well what did they do you know what i mean but it's really interesting that in this day and time that's where a lot of our indigenous people find themselves it's like in these new world problems where we don't really know how to respond just yet we keep turning around backwards and saying well do they have the answers do they have the answers not realizing that the responsibility sits in our hands to say create it 
you know like if if it if they don't have the answers if it doesn't exist then create it you know you can create those songs you can bring about ceremony you can bring about ways to be able to heal your people and i think that's what you're doing you know in this type of work and that's powerful you know and i think more people need to understand that and see what it looks like you know maybe it doesn't look mystical in the way that that you know culture is always portrayed but this is the real life breathing example of what it looks like to be like a healer and a doctor in this kind of space because the work that you're doing is working with people's hearts and minds you know and being able to rearrange and heal things in a way that they can't find necessarily just going to their to their you know their local clinic or whatever you know so it's i think it's important for people to understand that and to and even for us um all of us doing this work to begin to hand that back to our people to be able to say you have a power to create something new you know like that's you need to understand that that's what's in front of you and there's an ability to change things for the better Mm yeah we are the medicine you know Mm -hmm. and there's a lot of things that can't be done without us so whenever um we are at ceremony you know somebody has to pray you know Mm -hmm. that that's medicine Mm -hmm. um so helping clients to understand you know it's us like we're the ones that have the key we can unlock that Um, and that's what therapy as a therapist you're trained to think you know is that Mm -hmm. the client has all the answers Mm -hmm. we're just trying to help them um, by facilitating questions to find out what those are what it is Mm -hmm. that um, they want to do but this isn't anything new you know and and that's what I've learned throughout all of this all of my schooling was that this is just indigenous ways um, that were rebranded and wrapped up in nice packaging by white people claiming that like this is theirs you know so we're yeah. gonna do CBT and we're gonna do you know all this other stuff. but what it is is just going back to things that we mm-hmm. as native peoples did like you said for millennia yeah. we're resilient peoples like we do have the key we are the medicine um i feel like this conversation is really powerful and we've talked about a lot of different things here we've talked about your your journey to becoming a psychologist or having your business historical trauma and the way that it impacts our people but where you work how have you seen your work impact your community i think people are having more discussions about trauma or negative events um Mm. we hear that name or that word so often it gets overused um and you know for some people they have this really strong reaction to it now like oh my god i haven't been traumatized you know so um these negative experiences um people are openly talking about it and they're willing to talk about it we're starting to normalize that okay we didn't come from a perfect family you know and so maybe there are some behaviors that we should question or you know maybe my thinking isn't like helping me um the the way it should Uh, so i that's good i can see some of that happening definitely um as well as recognizing um how much we have disconnected from our traditions and our Mm -hmm. traditional ways or values you know what what our ancestors really wanted for us Um, i'm I'm seeing people get more involved um, in their own community you Mm -hmm. know reaching out and helping others or um, even if it's with their own kids you know Mm -hmm. um, learning new ways of parenting you know, that's the biggest thing. That's what's going to help that intergenerational trauma is mm-hmm. learning good parenting skills that our ancestors definitely used, but it's going to look new to us 
yes. because of how we were raised or what we were taught. I think that's that's interesting and, and something that we see happening like on a collective level just with indigenous people. I know that for myself as in like in recent years in reconnecting with a lot of um, friends and relatives my same age, people that I grew up with, you know, um, it's really interesting to see how all of us have gone through our own personal struggles, you know, throughout life and are coming to a place where we're all looking for that stability, you know, and we're trying to find ways to, to kind of heal ourselves and opening up and, you know, we kind of come back together and it's like, are you all right? I don't know. Are you all right? Well, this is kind of what I've been through, you know, we, we, and we kind of have those conversations of, wow, you know, it's interesting that we're all kind of reaching this point in our life, but it's a, it's a beautiful thing to be able to see all of us kind of, in our own spaces but collectively um seeking that healing you know where, whereas in a, maybe in our parents generation they were the type to just keep going and never talk about it you know like oh well i don't want anybody to know that i'm struggling or whatever you know that's just the expectation they just kept going and kept going and kept going where now as as parents and as adults we're finding ourselves going through saying no nah, i'm not good with just keeping going like if i'm going to keep going it's going to be in a better way so let me let me figure out what this is let me work it out so that you know my children don't reach my age and go through the same thing you know what i mean that so that you know once they reach their adulthood you know they can move forward without all of this hindrance you know what i mean so i i think it's really amazing to see just the way that collectively all of this is coming about for for indigenous people and it's because of people like yourself the more people come to the table and begin to reach out and share their knowledge, share their story and, and begin to help facilitate these kind of conversations, the more widespread it becomes, you know, the, the conversations become normalized, the, the understandings become normalized and, you know, it, it kind of happens organically, so to speak, you know, without, you know, having to go directly to somebody and start dissecting their lives, you know, like it gives people an, an opportunity when they see somebody else doing well to go and say, what have you been doing? You know, because I, I see that that things are getting better for you. Can you share with me? You know what what happened? You know how did you get there? So, I feel like um, also that our people are starting to see like we all kind of come from trauma in one way or form or another, and because they're able to see that now and take down those walls or this judgment um, that maybe somebody has a perfect life because they grew up in a perfect life when. I don't know, maybe nine times out of ten, that's not actually the case. And realizing that, oh, crap, you've been through stuff. I've been through stuff, too. Please share your your tools that you did. What did you do? Where did you go? How can this help me? And I feel like when we see that, not, not like bonding by trauma, but by maybe the healing experience, willing to walk through that together and, you know, say, I'm here for you because I know what that feeling of self-doubt or hurt looks like and you know in order for us all to get together in this life we have to be together and work together right um and to kind of go along with that you know we've all been in a car accident or we've all Mm -hmm. fallen off our bike and skinned our knee or something right you know so (laughs) Um, it doesn't have to be so shameful. You know, right. we've all just had yeah. really bad experiences yeah. in, in our life that affected us. It's the ones that we hang on to mm-hmm. that are are holding us back. Right. That, you know, need to be dealt with, need to be processed. Yes, I, I definitely agree with that. And 
don't know. I just feel like I agree with everything that we've been talking about in this conversation. <laughs> like, let's talk more, you know, yeah. share more. <laughs> I feel like we're all on the same page whenever it yes. comes to these discussions. And, um, too, like, people are recognizing since COVID and the Black Lives Matter movement, um, mm-hmm. people are recognizing systemic oppression and how that's mm-hmm. affected us. Yes. And, you, you know, a lot of this trauma goes back to that, you know, right. goes back to whenever colonizers came and set foot here and, yeah. um, you know, the genocide and the stolen generation, you know, mm-hmm. so uh, that's where it started. And I think having people recognize that um, doesn't put so much pressure on them. You know, it's mm-hmm. like, oh, okay. You know, yeah. so my mom just didn't know how. She didn't have the tools to help me mm-hmm. at that time. Or my dad didn't have the tools to help me at that time. And so it gives us a little bit more compassion for ourselves as well. Right. And along with that, because I think when you reach that, that point in healing, you start to maybe forgive others in your life for not knowing how to help you Mm -hmm. because they didn't know how to help themselves either Mm -hmm. and understanding that and I think that forgiveness is a huge part of the healing process especially of yourself because we have all reacted in ways out of our trauma Mm -hmm. um, and maybe have hurt people which we didn't intentionally mean to do but that's what we knew Mm -hmm. and you know, it's part of the human experience. I mean, it's we can only take it one step at a time, one day at a time, basically, to, to get through it. Mm-hmm. I tell my clients all the time, you're doing the best you can with what you have. Right. Yeah. And that's all yeah. we can do. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. You know, um, kind of what, you, what you're talking about there, it, it brings to mind this... this um, instance in in one of these trainings there was um, uh, a non-native um, woman um, a white woman basically that that was there as um, a clinician herself that she had been working with with native people and this this uh, training was again surrounding historical trauma and and how it is that it's still affecting you know and one of the questions that she asked is that I know that for myself as a clinician, you know, like I've been aware of historical trauma, you know, like for years we've heard that term thrown around and, and, and even in, in indigenous communities, you all have heard this over the course of time and you know that it exists. Mm-hmm. Why is it such an issue now? Like, why is it still so prevalent, you know? And I told her, let me, let me share something with you. And I was telling her about an instance where there was another um, non-native individual, and and he was actually a, a a black man, and he was asking me, kind of the same kind of kind of a similar question, and and I told her, I said, you know, in 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 terms of an, an analogy, most people when they think about trauma, they think about something very sharp and abrupt and and very intense that just completely alters the course of your trajectory of your life, but sometimes it's very subtle, but for indigenous people, you know. It's it's so complex and intricate that there there are the very intense things that happened in the very beginning, like there was the explosion of, of collective trauma, and then it radiated out in all of these intricate ways, you know, like throughout our family systems over the course of generations. That today, it's become so normalized and accepted that we don't even recognize it as trauma, so we don't know that it needs to be pulled out. But I said, if you were to kind of like step back a little bit and were to play everything and fast forward you know it would look like uh like an intense car crash where the where the car flips you know and then hits the ground and rolls but i said 
in that timeline where we are right now, we're still in the air rolling and the vehicle hasn't yet hit the ground. Like we're all collectively as indigenous people, we're beginning to wake up and, and, and realize what just happened. And we're trying to kind of like not only brace for the impact, but also like, you know, we're hoping that it's going to be OK, but trying to understand what it was that we were involved in, you know, and that's kind of like, you know, the the more that people are waking up, we're all realizing, oh, my God, we're, we're kind of rolling in the vehicle. Brace yourself. You know, we need to be OK somehow. How do we begin to to save ourselves kind of thing? And when you put that analogy in front of people, it's like, wow, you know, like I never never had thought about it like that before you know because it's something that spans the course of hundreds of years but when you look at the magnitude of it and and kind of i guess alter the perspective then it really does begin to make sense and and i think when you can share that with our own people and help them to realize it takes a lot of the burden off of it you know it takes away a, a lot of the the guilt and the responsibility and the shame that goes along with carrying this kind of trauma and and letting them to know like it's okay you know like you weren't the one that sent the car flipping in the air you're just riding you know what i mean but you know you know nonetheless we have to figure out a way to be okay you know what i mean so it's just it's powerful yeah um and to go along with that you know being okay um, to even get to that point and realize all of that, a lot of us have to get out of this survival mode. Mm -hmm. You know, we have to um, the, get out of this fight or flight that we're stuck in, you know, constantly like, paying the bills or, mm -hmm. um, you know, am I going to be able to make or put food on the table? You know, just little things like that. Like, how am I going to get to work? Small things, you know, and with COVID, you know, stopping all of that, not having to go to work or... Um, some people it put them more into that um, some people you know now they were able to stop and be like whoa what have I been doing like I mm -hmm. haven't even been in my body you know yeah. to recognize all the stuff that's going on mm -hmm. and so now that they're there like you said they're waking up I feel like they're probably out of that survival mode and they're mm -hmm. able to reflect and think a little bit more uh, than they would be whenever you're just going 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 yeah, absolutely. I feel like it's a, a powerful time to be in be, because of COVID in a way, just because of what you're talking about. We've, we are at a pause listening to our bodies, listening to our minds, but also because we have technology and we've been able to use that to our benefit in ways of looking for healing for mm -hmm. ourselves and a privacy of our own homes and starting that journey and just doing a lot of intentional self-care to really find out what is going on with me? Why Why do I carry this sadness? You know, why is it there? And, and really diving deep and then finding the courage to use our voice. And I think that's, you know, to go off what you both were talking about, you know, with the historical trauma, why is it still there is because we're we're undigging everything and we're talking about it now and we're creating safe spaces like with the good way interventions. Um, to to really dive into those depths of ourselves and our families and and all those generations of trauma and to deal with it and mm -hmm. to unpack it and start healing it and you know along with all of this like it's not easy it's difficult no. it's and so yeah. yes <laughs> and there are days like i i know you know even in my own journey and experience that you just kind of fall to your knees internally and it feels like there's no way out but i do want to encourage everybody that might be listening to this podcast is that there is a way out mm -hmm. you know and that we 
can keep pushing forward. You just have to keep walking and keep breathing and keep believing that you can do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and if you have little ones that you're mm-hmm. modeling this stuff for, like you, you know, you two, um, yeah. they're going to see that and they're going to be like, mm-hmm. oh, let me start, you know, examining some of my own stuff. And they're going to pick up on that and carry that too. You yes. know, we can go back and we can heal. If we can carry the trauma, we can carry the healing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. That's good. So I think with all that being said, um, what are maybe some some words of encouragement that you might give to people that are maybe, you know, in the space of coming to this realization and beginning to kind of like seek that healing? That we're with you, you know, Mm. not just um, as a clinician, but as a fellow human, Mm. um, as well as all of our ancestors, you know, Mm -hmm. we're, we're all connected. So we're all with you, you know, we're, right. we're here to help you do that work. I'm here to help you. We're here to support you. Mm-hmm. You know, nobody's going to look down on you because you're wanting to be happy, you know, and right. if they are like, is that somebody you want in your life? Yeah. Um, so definitely just um, know that you have so many people here backing mm-hmm. you up and here to support you and encourage you to you know, go do the hard stuff to do that yes. hard work and the uncomfortable work. Um, but you're going to thank yourself and your children and future generations are going to thank yourself. And I think holding that, you know, hold, what do you want your grandchildren's life to be like? You know, what, mm-hmm. how would you want them to grow up, you know, in what kind of household or what kind of environment? What do you want them to learn? What do you want to teach them? Yes. And holding that can help, uh, facilitate you know the healing or help um, further it or strengthen it so. okay um, I want to say thank you for for coming on with this and and you know sharing everything about your story and and the work that you do can you tell us just a little bit more about maybe some of the services that that good ways interventions provides and how people can can get a hold of you if maybe they're they're in in, in need of some help Yes, definitely. Um, so right now I um, am in the process of expanding. Um, I'm mm. talking to somebody, another native clinician here in Tulsa. That's actually my best friend from high school. Yay. And <laughs> we're talking about partnering up um, awesome. and we're looking at um, new locations and stuff. So I'm really excited about that. Um, but um, you can find me on Instagram at Good Ways Interventions as well as Facebook. Um, you're welcome to email me. Um, my email is on both those pages. Um, right now, I unfortunately don't have any more room to take on more clients because, mm-hmm. you know, like I said, I want to be present and I want to be there for the clients that I do have. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, groups as well. I have a walking two worlds, which is helping people, professionals of color kind of merge this traditional with the new, um, how to be our authentic self in the work environment, which can be difficult, especially mm-hmm. like in, in the professional setting or corporate world. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the parenting class, um, circle of security, um, and those groups hopefully will be starting soon again, um, with the expansion. So, so um, 
I think with that being said, you know, once again, just want to extend a, a huge thank you for all of the work that you're doing and for coming on and sharing with us. I know that all of the listeners are going to take a, a lot away from it. I know that we really enjoyed the conversation ourselves. And um, we, we do have your, your contact information also listed on our website. We have a, a wellness resources tab there on our website. You can go there and, and the contact information is there as well. So, um but I guess with that being said, do you have anything else that you'd like to add? Thank you so much, Karis. I really enjoyed this conversation. It was so needed. Um, it's always good to hear from other people's perspective um, that are on the same path and trying to help our community. So we appreciate you. We appreciate all the work that you do. And I know that your clients do as well. So I hope that in your, your continuing days that you are blessed abundantly. Mm. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. Um, again, I love the work that you guys are doing. Thank I mean, you. we're doing the same thing. It's just going to look differently. So yes. I really <laughs> you guys. Absolutely. Thank you. thank you very much. So uh, to everybody that tuned in out there, everybody that's listening and watching, want to thank you uh, for following along. And I hope that you got something good out of today's discussion. And again, if you, um, you know, have any, 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 any thoughts or concerns or, or anything, you know, please, by all means, reach out to us and let us know what you thought. And again, you know, uh, Karis's uh, contact information is there on the website. Mm-hmm. Um, but with that being said, um, we're going to go ahead and conclude here. And um, this week's episode is Brought to you by Oun, a new indigenous-led organization out of Standing Rock. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next time. Thank you. Doksha. Doksha. Doksha.